It's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. And welcome to the Agriculture Conversation here on the LaneCast. Today we are going to share a TV interview that I had with the Public Lands Council's Executive Director, Ethan Lane, on President Trump's pardon and commuted sentences for Oregon ranchers Dwight and Stephen Hammond. We'll have the entire conversation we had earlier this week, right after this. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on the Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast apps. Now, back to the show. Today, breaking news came out of Washington, D.C. That is because President Trump announced that he is going to pardon and commute the sentences of Oregon ranchers Dwight and Stephen Hammond. These are two individuals we have talked about for some time, and this has raised a lot of questions for the use of our public lands. And joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. today is the Public Lands Council's Ethan Lane. Ethan, how are things in D.C. today? You know, things are great in the nation's capital today, Lane. Obviously, when we get some good news, like the pardoning of the Hammonds to start our day, it makes everything just a little bit better around here after a couple years of working on this, uh, on this tough issue. Now, for farmers and ranchers across the West and the nation, they've been very sympathetic to the cause of the Hammond family. But if you read posts on social media, there is quite a lot of individuals out there that think that they are criminals still. Let's talk to our viewers a little more about what the Hammond case is and how it truly was possibly an overreach by the federal government on the Bureau of Land Management's level. You know, it is one of those situations where you hear people, even some that are supportive of the Hammonds, that make that comment that, well, gosh, they did break the law, you know, and, and so it was important that they uh, they pay the price for their crimes. You know, we we understand the argument that's being made there, but the simple fact is the, the conduct they behaved in was in defense of their private land. It was part of what would otherwise be considered normal farming and ranching practice. And under no circumstances should that kind of conduct that resulted in a very minor spread of that backburn onto federal land, about 100 acres burned, I think, result in a five-year prison sentence. That's why that original judge in that case gave them dramatically reduced sentences and said in the t at the time that, the, that, that meeting that minimum sentence requirement of five years under those terrorism statutes would shock the conscience. That was the phrase that the judge used in that, in that initial ruling. So, you know, the, the part of this story that unfortunately is, is not new and that we see all too often um, in previous administrations on, on Western lands issues is that relentless pursuit of these, of these individuals. So after that initial ruling came out, that should have been enough. Everybody walks off the field. You know, the Hammonds do a few months time, which is probably more than some people would think they needed, but they do that time and they go home. Instead, there was this pursuit. There was this dogged insistence on that minimum sentence that resulted in these, this father and son going to jail for almost three years now um, until President Trump stumped, stopped in and, and, and uh, stepped in and pardoned them uh, this morning. So, you know, it's that, it's that sort of open-ended, unrational, irrational pursuit of, of ranchers like this um, when they're trying to protect their lives and homes and resources um, that's disconcerting for ranchers across the range. Now let's talk about the legal process and how the Hammonds 
became labeled as terrorists just for burning, uh, uh, trying to save uh, their, their own ranch. Let's talk a little bit about how, how this fire even started and how they were labeled as terrorists then. Well, you know, it, it was a backburn situation. There were a couple different instances, and in, in those instances, what they were doing was trying to take some preventative measures to prevent fires from spreading onto their private land. Um, that's a process that we see play out repeatedly. It's one that we've seen the federal government undertake in places like South Dakota, where those fires have spun out of control and burned quite a bit of private land. And we're still waiting for uh, those ranchers in that area to receive an apology or a payment for the damage they received or, or any kind of acknowledgement of the, of the damage that was incurred there. And, and I think that's part of the, the concern for ranchers that, that you know, see this kind of, of, a, of a result from the Hammonds taking this activity on. Now, I think that the concern that was raised was they didn't get the proper permitting before they took that action, but in a rapidly evolving fire situation, that's not always an opportunity that's available to you. You know, as we're giving this interview today, you have a 500,000 plus acre fire burning in northern Nevada, the Martin Fire, that's consumed several hundred thousand acres of prime sage-grouse habitat and, and a lot of the really fertile grassland, grazing land in northern Nevada that our ranchers depend on to get through the summer, um, you know, those are, those are situations that evolve in a matter of hours. There isn't time to go through a year or two year long federal process in order to get that approval. So these guys not wanting to lose their land and resources through a fire situation stepped in and took action. And, and obviously the, the result of that was this multi-year process that we've seen play out. Ethan, how has this impacted the management of public lands that ranchers are allotted? How has that impacted their attitudes and how they try and manage these lands and make sure that they're healthy, but do not want to be labeled as terrorists in case something actually does occur? Well, it's a trust factor. You know, it, it, you're asking ranchers to, to trust that in this public-private partnership that, that is grazing on federal land, because that's exactly what it is. This is the oldest example we can find of, of a really successful public-private partnership, but any partnership has its challenges. And at this point in that process, Secretary Zinke, Secretary Purdue, and his, their respective teams have a challenge in front of him to rebuild trust with ranchers across the West. And it's because of incidents like this. So the administration taking this step today and, and pardoning the Hammonds and sending them home is sending that message that, hey, we get it. We understand that we have some ground to cover to rebuild trust with ranchers. You know, you can't get any real conservation work done on the range without ranchers doing the important critical work that they do every day just as a matter of their normal ranch management. Um, so in order to maintain that benefit and preserve that benefit for federal land users across the multiple use spectrum, you got to rebuild that trust. And we've got to make sure that ranchers can feel confident that when they go into a management situation with the federal government, they are not going to be inadvertently targeted as terrorists. Now, there's many out there viewing this today wondering just when will the Hammonds be released from prison then? Will that be soon or how, how does that process unroll? You know, I'd be lying to you if I told you I was an expert in, uh, in how this process works from here moving forward. But um, as we understand it, it'll move fairly rapidly. The paperwork has been, has been processed and uh, they are free men. Um, they were granted full clemency, which means they will not be treated as felons once they leave, um, which then means that we'll need to start the discussion right away about securing their federal grazing permits and make sure they get their grazing rights back. Yes, let's talk about that a little bit. Being labeled as felons, they would not be able to graze those lands and receive right. uh, the opportunity to graze. Let, let's talk a little bit on that. 
So yeah, that, that's been a sticking point uh, since the time that they went to jail. Um, there's been an ongoing conversation in the background about making sure that we can secure their permits so that this family can keep putting food on the table and, and, and uh, maintain their livelihood. Um, with this order, that felony conviction will be wiped from their record as we understand it, which should uh, uh, allay any concerns about that as far as their permits are concerned. And also, the Public Lands Council is coming up on 50 years of representing the more than 22,000 public lands ranchers across the nation. Uh, what does it look like moving forward representing families like the Hammonds and being a voice for public lands ranchers across the nation uh, going off of a win like this that came out of the White House today? You know, we, we are an association of associations, as you know. The PLC Board of Directors is made up of cattle and sheep associations from across the West, as well as the, uh, the major livestock associations, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, American Sheep Industry Association, the Association of National Grasslands. And it really is sort of a testament to that collaborative spirit in the Western ranching community. So celebrating 50 years, it gives us a chance to reflect back on what that's meant to the industry over the last 50 years. Uh, it gives us a chance to look at some of the wins and the progress that we're making here in our 50th year, whether it's on the Endangered Species Act or the National Environmental Policy Act, uh, NEPA, or, or grazing regs, or you know, wild horse, feral horse issues, in, any of these, these, these big fights that we spend so much of our time talking about, but reflecting on the fact that this only gets done through a collaborative effort with all of those state livestock associations, all of those county associations working together to press these issues and make sure that they're put at the forefront. Because I mean, quite honestly, what we're facing is a large and growing urban and, and suburban population that doesn't know where their food comes from, doesn't know how that state gets from the gate to their plate through a, a grocery store or whatever else. And, and so we have a big challenge ahead of us and it's gonna take everybody singing from the same sheet of music and making these same arguments to, uh, uh, to make sure we protect this industry for the next 50 years. Ethan Lane with the Public Lands Council. You have no doubt uh, been an advocate on behalf of the Hammond family since the Trump administration took office, uh, helping push them to pardon, which they did today. The White House did make that announcement. Ethan, is there anything else that you would like to share with our viewers today? Not at all. We're just very grateful to the president for his action and uh, look forward to working with him on more in the future. Again, that was the Public Lands Council's Ethan Lane from a TV interview I conducted with him earlier this week. For more on the Public Lands Council and their 50th annual meeting, visit them online at thepubliclandscouncil.org. That'll do it for today's LaneCast. I'm Lane Nordlund, your voice for agriculture. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast. Cast.